Oh, hi. <laughs> I was like, what is he doing? That was a, that was a little, you heard there was a little musical in, interlude uh, from Mr. Eddie Sparks. <laughs> Welcome to Cranked and Ranked. Um, for those of you who saw the title of this episode and clicked on it to come listen, uh, you're awesome because I, I, I don't know how this one's going to, uh, going to be uh, perceived out there. Um, but, uh, sorry, I'm, this is not a very good introduction. I really <laughs> feel like I need some help with introductions. Welcome to Cranked and Ranked, the show where we rank discographies of bands and other stuff. Um, and it's rock and metal. And now we're really branching out with things, whatever we feel. If it's something that we feel some kind of connection with, uh, we're going to get around to it at some point and we're going to rank it. And just so everybody knows, cause somebody got a little bit butt hurt about our last Metallica ranking. And I, I want everybody to realize that like we, when we rank albums lower, it doesn't mean that you can't listen to them anymore. And also yeah. <laughs> the, the, ra- the ranking in, in our show, if you haven't figured it out, isn't really the important part. The important part is the discussion about the albums. So, in this particular case, it's even more so because uh, we're we're talking about a band that I, before we started this, I knew four of their songs, and that wow. was it. Um, so yes, cranked and ranked today. It's me, Stephen, aka Oldhead, and with me as always, Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. Yo. And we are going to be ranking the discography of the band Toto. Toto. Hell yeah. It'd be cool if there was like an echo on that. I don't know why. I just thought it sounded cool. Um, but this that's is... Gonna, uh, that's going to sound really cool if you, if you do it. Shit. I, I don't know. I don't know how to work half the shit on my computer, but I'll, I'll try to figure <laughs> it out. But um, so... And this is going to be a two-parter because they have 14... Well, a, according to Wikipedia, which which I went off of, they've got 14 studio albums. They've got other collections and stuff, but we're sticking to... Um, the the god of Wikipedia as the as the, <laughs> the template for how we do things because can you imagine I can't even imagine what life was like before Wikipedia I'm like how did I look things up like did yeah. I, did I have to go to an encyclopedia <laughs> <laughs> did I have to go to the library or did I have to order the Encyclopedia Britannica from the television I never had that but you know. <laughs> Um, anyway, so Toto is the band we're talking about. And the reason why this one came about is because, uh, Eddie Sparks is a big Toto fan. And so, um, I figured that like, we have to, we have to get into this band because if either one of us is, is a fan, um, it's worth talking about. But like I said, I knew four of their songs. And so diving into a 14 album discography was uh, a bit of a chore, but, um, (laughs) it was an interesting chore. And today we're going to be talking about albums number 14 down to album number eight. Uh, so the lower, the latter half, um, depending on how you're looking at it, uh, of the uh, Toto discography. So because I don't 
I'm going to let you go first. So because because Eddie knows a lot more about this band than me, he's going to be kind of the driving force behind this these two episodes. I'm taking so the wheel. In, <laughs> instead of me start like like let's 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 start off with you and your um, where you found Toto and your relationship with their music. Like where did it start? Well, you're going to love this because you know how the GTA thing is like a running gag on this show. Yes. There are three games in the franchise in which Toto appears. Wow. And that that is San Andreas, Vice City, and Vice City Stories. And I think uh, San Andreas has Hold the Line, which is on the classic rock station. And then I think the songs Africa is in Vice City. And I think it's Make Believe, which is in Vice City Stories, which is kind of a prequel to... I see but yeah it's um this is a band that uh I one day just turned around and said I really fucking love this is one of the most impulse things I've ever done with a band ever Mm -hmm. probably the most and I had some money at the time I hadn't really spent any money for a while this is back when I was about 16 just maybe just turning 16 15 and I thought to myself, I really love that Hold the Line song. And I really like Rosanna and I really like Africa. And I thought, do you know what? Let's get into this band. But instead of doing like any research, I said to myself, right, I'm just going to see if there's like, because I just started getting into like box sets and things as well. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, maybe there's like a complete collection thing that I can just drop 20 quid on and have it. And... Lo and behold, there's a little CD box set called The Collection, which has uh, the first seven albums and a live DVD. Um, And and I thought to myself, do you know what? Cool. I'm just going to get it. And it is currently right next to me on the shelf somewhere. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, I I listened through all the albums chronologically and, and, you know, loved each of them. And then eventually heard Kingdom of Desire as well. And then those were those eight albums are the ones that I really, really knew. Some of the later albums I hadn't heard until we did this. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this because, uh, yeah, they're just awesome. a band that really clicked with me at the right time. Yeah. So to, to, and to put things into context, Eddie is really into AOR um, yeah, <laughs> uh, like the 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 basically like the eighties. What would you consider that? It's not necessarily soft rock. It's, it's just kinda, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> my fr- my friend once told me that it's 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 glam metal that you'd like to show your parents. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was like it's certainly like the sophisticated sister genre to it. It's it's like rock with a lot of synth and pop elements but like toto's done so many evolutions like they could do any style really yeah and so and so but but i think a lot of what toto is popular for would be considered more on the album oriented rock yeah you know the stuff that because when i was a kid so here's my background with toto um rosanna was a huge fucking song when i was a kid could not yeah. escape it on the radio. Um, and it was like a legit hit on like the top 40 radio. Like not, yeah. it, it's, it's cause it's not really a rock song. It's a pop song. 
Um, and then later on, I think after that is when Africa became a hit, if I remember right. I actually yeah. uh, heard an interview, and I don't remember who it was with because it was on a local radio station. So I don't know if it was Steve Lukather or if it was somebody else from the band. But they were talking about how the song Africa, they didn't even want to put it on the album. Yeah. Which is why it's, yeah. which is why it's the last song on the album. And then it ended up really blowing up for them. So my my... My knowledge of them was those two songs, and then later on I, I realized that the song Hold the Line was also a Toto song. I'm like, well, this doesn't even sound like the same band. Like, it's <laughs> like a, that's legit classic rock sounding, and then those other two just sound like 80s pop that would be next to, uh, and, and it was. You could hear, you would hear like Rosanna followed by I Can't Go For That by Hall & Oates. Like, those are the things that were like, you know, yeah. like Chicago. Like, it was all this kind of shit. Um, and, um, but I never delved any further because um, I just I like those songs, but they're not songs that drove me to want to listen to anything else. Like if they came on, I was like, cool. Um, and even recently, there's been that resurgence where all of a sudden Africa became popular again. Yeah. And like Weezer <laughs> covered it and then Toto covered a Weezer song. And um, it's almost like Toto has come back into the into the 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 mainstream consciousness yeah, um, because of the song Africa, which is a once again a song that they didn't even want to put out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but anyway, but so the little the little that I know about Toto is that they were all session musicians. Yeah, very very talented people. Each one of them, and, and in fact, I think yeah. anyone that's ever been in Toto, you could say, is a professional, very talented musician. Yeah, um, and they decided to put a band together. Even the most. Uh, like even our bottom picks are at least played with extreme proficiency. You know, yeah. there's, um, see, see, that's the thing as well. I think a, a lot of the members were involved with, um, Th- thriller, Michael Jackson's, um, thriller album as yeah. well. Cause, yeah. um, say for example, um, beat it. The guitar solo is performed by Van Halen, but, the rhythm guitar stuff is Steve Lukather, who is yeah. the guitarist for Toto. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that because I think once we get to that particular album that that falls around, we'll, we can talk a little more about that. Hell yeah. Um, but just, so, yeah, so it's essentially these guys who were just session players who decided to put together a band and then and then they did it. And so it's all it's all very well played music. But um, really, I think the conversation starts when we start breaking down the albums and what they actually did because they did 14 albums starting in 78 the first one 1978 yeah and then the most recent one i believe was in like 2018 or something or it was real pretty recent yeah. like they're still going with with i guess only one steve luca there's the only original member of the band now that's still there as far I think, as i know i think david page uh came back as well yeah he, yeah, he left and then yeah. came back okay Anyway, and they've gone through different vocalists, but we'll get into that. Um, and so, like I said, because Eddie knows more about this, he's going to be the one that's kind of driving this. And I'm, you know, my, my shit's going to be a little bit more brief because I listened to these albums one time and ranked them, put some thoughts down in my notes. Um, and it's, it's, you're, so you're from, from me, you're hearing the first time response, kind of like when we did Judas Priest, although, although I had already heard a whole lot of Judas Priest prior to that. This is yeah. the same kind of thing where it's my first time digging into this band. So without further ado, let's just let's just jump into it. We got to start with number 14 in the Toto discography. And as usual, Eddie, uh, you started off. 
Cool. So my number 14 pick, uh, I looked at it and I thought, even if they're well done, it's still a covers album. So <laughs> I, I, I had to say to myself, Through the Looking Glass is going to go at the bottom for me. Um, you you know, but I won't even. Let, you know that this is also my bottom. You know, if you yeah. know anything about me, you know this is my number fourteen because it's a covers album. But uh, but go ahead and let's talk about it. Yeah, like it's it's a it's an album of covers that have inspired the band over the years. Uh, but you know, there, there's a lot of variety with them, at least, which shows the variety in the band. Um, so I'm going to jump into a little track by track here. Uh, Do it. Could. Could You Be Loved is a is a Bob Marley cover. Mm-hmm. Um, Bodhisattva, I think, is a cover of the Steely Dan track. Um, okay. While my, while my Guitar Gently Weeps. Now, this is a George Harrison cover. Now, this one has my favorite vibe so far. Like, it really feels like they said, hey, we're going to take this, but we're going to make it, like, real synthy and spacey and, and, and cool. Yeah. Um, but then it, it kicks up to a killer rocked up version of uh, I Can't Get Next to You by The Temptations. Yeah. And then Living for the City, uh, originally by Stevie Wonder, also has like a cool, heavy, rocked up feel as well. See, the that's, thing is as well. That's the, that's the one that, like I already was going to put this last, but the Living for the City cover, for some reason, for me, like I, I couldn't make it through it because I'm just wow. like... It's like the soul was ripped out of that song. And it's, it sounds like a group of white dudes doing a song about black people in the inner city. And I'm just like, okay, all right. <laughs> this is unnecessary. But I, but I mean, it's a fucking amazing song. Like, the, that's the thing. Like, why would you not want to cover Living for the City? That's the thing, isn't it? Like, I want to, I want to say here before we go any further, um, Toto does not get enough credit for their heavy moments because people like the pop stuff that got big mm-hmm. isn't representative of their whole sound. Like they've got some hard rocking tunes. I know it sounds weird talking about Toto. I actually did a video about it called if, uh, if Toto was a metal album and I picked all of their like rock stuff yeah. and I well, put not it just, into one playlist. Not just, not just heavy stuff occasionally, but proggy as well. Like they don't, yes. you don't know they like there's proggy elements in a whole lot of their stuff, but none of it was like singles or anything. Yeah. Like when you do a deep dive on this band, you realize like the real, um, talent that, that lies within, you know? Um, yeah. You know, and then you hop over to Maiden Voyage slash Butterfly, which is, you know, a cover of some Herbie Hancock instrumental tracks, you know, real showing off their uh, jazz muscles on this one. Um, Burn Down the Mission, an Elton John cover done nicely. Sunshine of Your Love, originally by Cream. Now, being a big riff guy, any version of this song I'm always down for. I've yeah. always loved the riff to Sunshine of Your Love. Uh, but then you get House of the Rising Sun, which is a traditional folk song many would know from the Animals version. Yeah. And I've got to, I've got to say, I actually really like this version of it. I think Bobby Kimball's voice sounds really good on it. Um, who is a... Yeah, he's also just such a killer um, rock singer. He, yeah. And he's got a real soul and rasp to his voice. Um and then you get watching. And, the he, and he was the oh. just just to put it into perspective. He was the original vocalist in Toto. Um, but yeah. this but this album comes way later. Like this is was in like two thousand and two, I think. 
Yeah, early two thousands. This one was. Yeah, so, so he left. During... The, he left the band and then came back, and this was one of his albums he did when he came back. Yeah, funnily enough, this is actually the uh, the second time he came back because uh, <laughs> the first time he came back in nineteen eighty nine, there was like real. They actually wanted to get back together with him uh, after Joseph Williams had left mm-hmm. uh, after the seventh one, but. Um, due to record label pressure, they were actually like, "No, no, no, no! We've we've got this other guy," and so um, I'll get I'll get to that yeah. story later down the line. But it's down it's the pretty line. down down <laughs> Oh man, we're gonna have a lot of like sing moments as we get further up the list. <laughs> you, there'll be at least four for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, the um. But yeah, that little story, um, I'll tell. But it, it won't be for a while. It might be in the next episode that I talk about it. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, watching the detectives uh, Elvis originally. Yep, Elvis Costello, and uh, finally closes out on uh, "It Takes a Lot to Laugh." It takes a train to cry, which is a Bob Dylan cover, and it's a really cool live rendition of the song. Uh, but again, I feel like of all the material here. Um, it's the least essential it yeah. being a covers album because it's not it's not original material. So um, with that, yeah. I'm going to bounce that off of you. I I don't have very much to add because with covers albums, especially a cover album like this, where yeah, it's very well played, but a lot of it is songs that I've already heard covered by many other people. Um, it it, it was. Like, I didn't even listen to the full album. I, some of the songs I listened to full songs, <laughs> other ones I would skip, and I'd be like, eh, this is fine. Because um, to me, like, being an amazing musician is not enough. Uh, and so sure. that's going to be my complaint with some of their stuff, where I'm just like, if it's very well played, that's fine. But if you don't have anything else beside that, then it's it's not worth it for me. And in this case, their songs, it's like cover songs that I didn't need, and um, yeah, but I, I understand that it that for people because there are people who are, who are rabid Toto fans like 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 yeah. fanatical, and so this is a cool thing to have you know a, a them doing like other artists songs, but for me for a first time listen I'm just like this is a it's literally just a dip in the discography where I went oh do, can I can I just get through this to get to the more <laughs> original shit, um so. I don't have. I didn't even write any notes for this because I was just like, yeah, it is what it is. It's very well done, as all of their stuff is. But it's there's not enough meat in it for me, and I I I was more interested in what they were doing with writing original songs because we'll get to that when I'm talking about what's so interesting about their the songwriting approach. I, I'm going to say their songwriting approach because it's not always the one person writing everything. Yeah, um, but. Um, but that just isn't here. It's just cover songs. So it's it's it doesn't really do it for me. So that's also my number 14. So we can quickly jump into your uh, number 13. Okay, so my number 13 pick, uh, I went for 1995's Tambu. All right. Um, this is the first album following the death of drummer Jeff Picaro, yeah. who um, tragically died in 1992. It, it's really sad how he died too i think it was to do i think it was like a a gardening accident that caused him to go into yeah like he he ingested pesticide or something right 
Yeah, and I think I think cocaine was also involved <laughs> in it. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've so, heard he was, like, so he was like, I'm going to do a line while I'm in the garden. What's this other powder <laughs> on here? I don't fucking know. Just snort it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, like not not to make light of it or, or, or anything, but I, I think it was... I think he was on cocaine at the time and something happened with like pest insecticide or something like that. And he ended up in cardiac arrest and it's a real terrible shame because the dude was a monster drummer. Like the, the shit he was playing, like as a metal drummer, the, the drummers that are the most impressive to me personally are the ones that can play really fast technical, um, stuff but it's quiet. So like all the ghost notes and stuff where it's more that the listener is feeling it more than they are hearing it. Stuff like that really blows my mind compared to just like thrashing speed. (laughs) That's, that's, that's something that like is it's, I think it's important to note about when you are a session musician and you're a professional, most of the time it would appear that if you're being hired to be the drummer, for like a like say a pop star you yeah you, the, everyone they want you to be really good but you can't have a style that just sticks out because it's not your fucking show yeah. so that's i think that's where those drummers get really good at that it's like look i can make this very unique and it doesn't take away it doesn't stand out from the things yeah. that are supposed to stand out and so um, that's pretty cool because I think that that's what makes a lot of them such great musicians is because they know how to play everything really well, but they also know how to do things that fly a little bit under the radar. You don't quite hear it right away because most of the time, you know, unless they're asking you to do a solo, they're like, look, just play the chords, dude, and <laughs> take, get your paycheck and go home. Um, but yeah, yeah. honestly, re- reading reading about that dude's death, um, I like I I and I'm now gonna go to my wife and be like, look, I'm sorry, I can't do gardening anymore. Uh, <laughs> one day I'm gonna ingest some pesticides and that's gonna be it. So maybe maybe let's just let's let the lawn die. <laughs> no no point anymore. Oh man, but yeah, it's like it's as sad as it is, like to see Jeff Picaro go. Like uh, Simon Phillips, the guy they got in, still does still does a damn fine job. Yeah. behind the kit. Yeah, but um, yeah, I just wanted to get that little Jeff Picaro tribute out of yeah, the way. Yeah, totally. Because uh, totally, uh, because totally. totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, like this album. Hang on. Drinky, I was a little drink, horse. Drinky drink. I, I was a little horse there. Um, One day yeah. you will grow up to be a big horse. I'm gonna be a big old <laughs> Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude. Um, Anyway, like I was saying, this album, to me, it has some similarities to Kingdom of Desire, but with a less heavy approach. Yeah. And, like, it's a bit long, but that's a a symptom of most mid to late 90s albums. But, yeah, I'm going to jump into my little track by track here. Okay. Um, So Gift of Faith. You know, opening the album with a seven-plus-minute song is is a bold move. Uh, it's been done before, but you know, it's still a, it's still a bold move when you're when you're known for your more poppy hits. But Toto's never been scared to to do off the wall left turns and whatnot. Yeah, but yeah, 
still, this song is a bit long, but there's a cool um, female vocal solo at the end. There's a lot of um, additional female vocals on here, which is really cool, because that's I don't think that appears on much of the other Toto material. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her name is Jenny Douglas McRae. Um, normally, like I wouldn't bring up like additional extra musicians, but um, I feel like with the amount of to- uh, like singers Toto's had, I feel like it would be unfair yeah. to not name her. But it's a um, good, that's a good thing to bring up though at this point that this is a Toto album where the majority of the vocals are by Steve Lukather, the guitar player. Where yeah. pr- like so prior to the album before this, he was not a main vocalist in the band at all. Like it was it didn't start until the early 90s, right? Uh he he does sing um, he does lead at times, but he's not the lead overall on an album. He's not the lead vocalist on most of the tracks. Yeah, he kind of like, he jumps in and out. He does like the odd song here or there on like the first few albums. And, then, and his and presence, the, yeah. And the songs that everybody knows, is Steve Lukather is not the vocalist. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, oh man, the, the sheer amount, I, I am confident in saying, ironically, following what happened steve lukather is now actually he actually has the most toto songs oh yeah as as lead (laughs) like he kind of caught up with everybody else with these uh 90s albums but um yeah he's kind of like the understated one but he's got a really cool bluesy rasp that he developed uh in this 90s era um but yeah like i'm saying like slipped away has a cool feel it really lifts in the chorus like even these lower albums, I still like things they bring to the table. They they yeah. just they don't do it for me as much as some of the higher up ones. Um, if you belong to me, power ballad, uh, baby, he's your man. Has that kind of mid nineties soul funk vibe. Um, the other end of time is a slow ballady one. Uh, there's quite a few slow ballady ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, he ain't yeah. Kidding. <laughs> oh man, the 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 turning point is a kind of funky hard rocker. Time is the enemy has uh, a smooth slow burn jazzy rock kind of feel. Drag him to the roof. Now this is a standout for me, mm-hmm. um, and it has what I like to refer to as a sassy riff. It's kind of cheeky, and I like it. But like this is my favorite song on here, next to I will remember. Oh shit! I didn't even talk about I will remember. I jumped you, over you, it. You jumped right over it. Yeah, real big ballad track. That's an epic song and my girlfriend's personal favorite. Um, hey. And it's it's been used to my advantage many times. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's... Use your that's, imagination, uh, folks. Yeah, I will remember is all reliable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the turning point, uh, time is the enemy. Dragon to the Roof is the one I was talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um, it's got such a cool 80s rock chorus, like considering it's a slap bang in the middle of the 90s. It's got that AOR vibe I love. Yeah, they never really, except for maybe the album prior to this, which we'll talk about later. It seems like most of their albums, they did, they still maintained the fact that they are, even though they are a rock band and they're all very talented and they do have these proggy, rocky elements, for the most part, they are a softer kind of band and they've never really strayed away from that. On any album. Yeah, they do have like... uh, They're one of those bands that has a core identifiable sound, but 
Yeah. In a way, in a way, it's kind of like a Faith No More situation where they sound like themselves, but they can sound like themselves doing anything. So it yeah. doesn't sound yeah. out of place either. Um, but one of my favorite little things is, as a metal nerd over here, um, right at the end, as the song fades out, as the drumming gets kind of crazy, uh, you hear double kick underneath the riff and it's like drag him to the roof and i'm thinking oh hell yeah so yeah. this simon phillips dude knows where it's at <laughs> but um now i've got quite a little bit of a uh, little bit of a uh paragraph on this next one uh just can't get to you now okay. we're, we're we're back in the ballad zone lucather's voice has the kind of rasp that i wish i had but mm-hmm. There's this strange feeling with these 90s albums by kind of 80s era bands where there's like some stuff left over from that era, like, you know, chorus effect on the guitars and uh, but like way less reverb on the drums, for example, creating this like weird, unique space that only belongs to albums from like 93 until the early 2000s when you know, these bands were still doing these high production things, but they yeah. were a little bit drier. So everything was a little bit more in your face. Um, like a key characteristic of kind of what I'm talking about is like the snappiest, like the snappiness of the snare on mm-hmm. these albums. Cause you always find that instead of like the, that you would get with the 80s stuff, you've got more of a whack, you know, it's like a yeah whip cracking but that um, that is something to bring up about their albums i it just in just thinking about it, all of their albums they don't have an album that doesn't seem intricately well produced like it yeah, seems like every single album like they like even the best bands in the world will have that one album where you go oh why did they make that choice but these guys it's like like i don't know if if, if some of them were also engineers and so they just you know, <laughs> knew how to set things up properly and get these amazing sounds because everything always sounds very clear and very well done and they don't ever real well i guess in the 80s you could say some of it does have kind of an 80s sound but it doesn't have the overblown 80s sound and then in yeah. the 90s in the 90s they didn't uh like go along with the trends really it was still very no. well produced stuff into the 2000s yeah they've they've consistently been very good with like I, I can't really think of i mean maybe there's one that i'll talk about in a minute that kind of feels a little bit you know flat in the production yeah but you know aside from that they've consistently had like um right from the late 70s up until now they've had the clearest possible uh mixes that they could possibly get with whatever they had at their disposal um so yeah but then you get uh dave's gone skiing uh is the band flexing their uh proggy side yeah and there's yeah there's there's double kick again which i love (laughs) but like as as much as I want to emphasize that I as much as I love Double Kick, it can be overdone. But when it comes from a band that isn't known for being heavy, then I always welcome it. Like um, there's there's actually a part that always sticks out to me. It's uh, relax. 
by uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. And, you know, there's a breakdown where it's like, bigger digger, bigger digger, bigger digger, bigger digger. Like, I yeah. always think... Like that's so cool to have a but pop is that, song with like. But is that an actual drummer? I don't. I have a feeling that's not an actual drummer on that. <laughs> nah, but it's it's just the, it's just the vibe there. I'm thinking if I if I was gonna play that, yeah. I'd like full on China symbol whacking that shit. <laughs> but um, yeah, like just to just to kind of come off of like their their proggy stuff as well. There's a lot of qualities in Toto that I see in uh, Dream Theater as well. They're a band that has, like, they have, like, very similar, very professional approaches, I feel. And, um, you know, I know you're not a big dream theater guy. I, uh, I literally know one song by Dream Theater. I, I, I've, that, I, I've, heard, I've heard little bits of other songs that I've never been able to get into it. Yeah, like, there's, there's a few things in it that I, c- I can point to, and I'd be like, I could totally see Dream Theater doing that. Or, like, he'd do, like, a diddle 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 And I'm yeah. like, that's total um, John Petrucci stuff going on there. Um, but, yeah, The Road Goes On has this, like, nice classic rock ballad-type feel. And then, finally, Black Eye, which is a grooving, bluesy bonus track featuring lead vocals from Jenny douglas mcrae uh, a female singer the band toured with i don't know if she's still with them or not um but yeah they made a real thing with their live shows um to have them come out every now and again they had like these uh um they had like the, these african-american women who would like provide like kind of gospel backing vocals every now and again it's yeah. really cool it's really cool to see that kind of thing on stage um and yeah, that's that's Tambu. I I know it kind of took a while, but it's a long album. No, that's um, that's fine. We need we need the, I, the, these need to be meaty because I don't have a whole lot to talk about, and especially <laughs> when we do things like this where we match up because my my number thirteen is also Tambu. Um, nice. And so up. so once again, like you say, a lot of the things that I mean to say, but from my perspective, so the big thing about this album is that it's got a much softer approach. I would say this has th- this feels like the softest album they made. Ironically, which is like coming off of the heaviest yeah. album they yeah. ever made. Yeah. yeah. Now, so and you brought up a good point, and this is for a few of these albums. I'm gonna talk a little shit, and this is one <laughs> of them um, because uh, you brought up the thing about having like the African American female vocalists behind you, and that became like a trope for middle-aged white musicians like sting (laughs) you just think of this that's this music reminds me of a band that would be touring with sting when he was doing the really boring solo shit that for some reason people (laughs) were so into and like i remember like one time i saw a spoken word performance by henry rollins and he talked about how he when he turned 40 he thought, oh, this is the time that you tar- start taking Sting's solo career seriously. Because, like, because <laughs> <laughs> there's something about it. It's just so soulless. And it's and, and they all do the same thing where they're all like, we need the, the female backing vocalist. We need a little bit of, like, uh, Middle Eastern vibe in some of our songs. Let's take music. Let's appropriate music from other parts of the world into this music. <laughs> but then strip it of everything that makes it interesting and just make it more old white man music and so (laughs) it just it's just this album has that quality to me where like it's very well done but it's like middle-aged professional type music 
Like a guy that he works at a law firm and he comes home and he's like, I just need to listen to some music to clear my head, put on tamboo. And that's like, (laughs) that's what he would listen to. Um, but I like, I think I said, like I said, kind of the same thing when I was talking about the production, the production value of some of their stuff, but I got to give them credit though, because this is 1995 and a lot of groups that were known for different kinds of things, all were trying to be rock or grunge or whatever. And they made this very soft, it's got, it's got its moments. It's got its rocking moments and it's proggy moments, but they're way fewer on this album than they are on other ones. Um, my so my biggest problem with this is that for the most part it's just very bland. It's a very yeah. bland album, and um, the one thing that I had to keep reminding myself, and it's not just this album, it's other albums and particularly other songs. I'll hear things and I'll go, I'm not the target audience for this. So I'm listening to something, and I find myself on the other end of my argument where sometimes people want to talk shit about bands I love and I know they don't listen to that kind of music. I'm like, just fucking shut up. So I kept telling <laughs> myself, I'm dude, just shut up. This is not like, like, you know, be subjective about this because yes, this is not something that you would normally listen to. And it has a lot of qualities of music that just don't interest you. But looking at it from a, from a perspective of if you were a fan of what Toto was doing, and you heard this album in 1995, and they're continuing this this highly professional, proficient musicianship, and it's just got a softer edge. I'm sure, like I would have been totally into it. Like it's it just seems like it's a it's still a very well done album. And that's mm-hmm. the weird thing about this band is that even the stuff that I look at and I go, I don't ever want to hear this again. I still listen <laughs> to it and go, it's. I mean, I can, I gotta give them fucking credit. Like they're really talented dudes, and. I couldn't play half the shit they play. I couldn't, no, I'm going to correct that. I couldn't play 98% of the stuff that they play. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been playing guitar for like 20, 25 years. Fuck, I don't know. Um, So so this album didn't do it for me because it does have that, that softer... Fuck, I don't know. I, I, it's just it's it's it's, it's, it's the bland mid nineties feel. I, it, but I it know does, what you I know what you get. It does yeah. go along with like I keep thinking of Sting and and and, and uh, Paul Simon, like all of these artists that they went solo and just like I guess they decided they didn't need to like have any energy in their music anymore. <laughs> and I'm just like okay, because and I don't understand that. That so when when I was younger, I would listen to that music and I'd be like, oh man, when I get old. Is that how I'm going to, am I going to spend my time? Am I going to be all of a sudden into jazz? But I'm not, <laughs> I'm 43 years old and I still want shit to be energetic and, and loud. Um, not all the time, but most of the time, that's what I would like. And so I think that with this particular album, instead of having softer elements, you know, in the album, there's just a lot of them here and too many yeah. for my taste. And so that's why I had to put it at number what? 13. Tambu. What, is it? Cool. what does that even mean? What does tambu even mean? I, I don't know, actually. Uh, do you want me to look it up? I'll no, have a look here. You can. Also, on the, on the same token, do we is there a, a definitive answer as to where the name Toto came from? Uh, I think it was a nickname that uh, Bobby Kimball had in like high school or something, and they just thought it was a fun, fun nickname or something. I think it was oh. a nickname... I think it was a nickname one of them had. 
So he was, and that's the original vocalist. That's interesting that the that the name of the band came from a dude that was often not in the band. <laughs> I mean, it so, might it, it it might be Steve Lukather, it might be Bobby Kimball. I'm not 100 yeah. percent certain. I think it's Bobby Kimball though. But it's definitely not named after the dog in the Wizard of Oz. It's just <laughs> just so because that's the first thing I when I was a kid I was like, oh, this band's called Toto. Okay, is it all about like Dorothy and <laughs> and the Land of Oz? Um, but yeah, so that, that was, we already talked about tambu. So that means we're moving on to. Oh, did you look up tambu? What it what it means? Oh, yeah. Let's have a look here. Uh, tambu meaning in English. T a m b u. For those of you who are listening, is how this is spelled. Um, uh, a lodge is a house or hut in the country or the mountains where people stay on holiday. And oh. looking at looking at the album cover, I can I can kind of like see. Like an ad- adventure kind of vibe. Uh, it's a really tambu. weird album cover because it's like you're. It's a picture of like a desk that has like some change and keys, and then it's got a comic book looking thing that's got you know like a fake yeah. comic book cover that says "Tambu" by Toto. It's a. It, it doesn't really fit the music for me, but um, but they also are a, a kind of an odd band. They make odd choices, and I think this is just one of them. One of the many odd choices they made. I think I think actually it's uh, it's a type of I think it's a type of music actually. I'm seeing like Tambu. a bunch of different things here on like uh, oh uh, it's a is a drum music genre and dance form found in Aruba. Oh. Uh, on a, and, ah, we're learning here. We are learning here right right before your ears, folks. Learning is happening. Wow. This is a very educational episode. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's, it'd be interesting to know all that talk about them doing really great uh, produced albums. This album was nominated for a Grammy for Best Engineered Album. That's like... Wow. Which is interesting. I mean, I, I have a feeling if I go through... I remember reading about their albums. I think a lot of their albums were nominated for those kind of technical Grammys, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> like, which is like... It, I mean, it's a running theme in their stuff. It's just very well produced. So, uh, so now we're moving on to number... 12? Number 12, yeah. 12, damn. Okay, cool. Cool. So my number 12 pick uh-huh. is Old is New. Old is New, which is the most recent album from 2018. Hell yeah. So okay. this is the newest of all their albums. And something really cool about it is that it contains performances from two deceased members of the band. Yeah. Um, Mike and Jeff Picaro on tracks two, four, and eight. Um, Mike Picaro being the uh, bass player and Jeff Picaro being the drummer. Um, Mike actually died of um, ALS, which is tragic, mm-hmm. you know, tragic, you know, for a musician. You which that's, that's of, is that also Lou, Lou Gehrig's disease? Is that what that's also y- called? Yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah, awful awful affliction um but the cool thing about this album is that it has a lot of different feels Uh and it shows off like isn't this one kind of like pieced together from um yeah so that's what i was hoping that you knew more about because i know that it's older stuff but i'm if i'm assuming it's some leftover tracks that were remixed 
and put together with some newer stuff as well. But I couldn't find anything that definitively talked about how it was put together. But it's clearly older stuff because there's songs with, like you said, with members that were deceased. But um, I, so I'm not really totally sure. But it definitely is put together with old. I mean, the title is there, Old is New, you know. I think I think it was like, ah, I'm seeing it here. It was It was originally released as part of the band's all-in box set. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. And then separately following it. So, yeah, I would hazard a guess then by the, you know, title and, and whatnot that there were some... I mean, obviously that there's some performances that were, you know, recorded even way back in, like, the early 90s if they've got Jeff um, Picaro on it. I think, uh, there, I think there's even a song here that goes back to the 80s, if I remember really? right. Because there was wow. one in particular, I don't remember, I found an article somewhere and I read it. I don't know where it was, but there was, there's one song on here, I don't remember the name, but I thought, man, this sounds like literally like classic 80s Toto. And I remember reading that, that but once again, it didn't say if it was already recorded in the 80s or what. Um, so it's interesting because whatever whatever they did, I almost kind of like that there's a mystery behind this album. It's like, yeah. it's older older stuff, but they don't really go into great detail of like exactly how it was thrown together. So it's just like, you know, you just look at it as a new album, I guess. For sure. So um, with, with that, I'm going to hop in. Uh, so track one, Alone, is like this mysterious but upbeat opening song. Mm-hmm. Um devil's tower hell yeah like there's some serious aor synth rock action going on there love that song fear fearful heart has a serious throwback to their 80s work kind of vibes um spanish sea is awesome great chorus uh in a little while is a nice ballad chelsea i'm not crazy about but this song i'll give it points for being different mm-hmm. um oh why is a big old ballad Oh, you, missed, by you, missed, you missed Chase the Rain. Chase the Rain has a nice chill vibe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, why? Again, like a big old ballad. Uh, Struck by Lightning is like hard rock goodness. And there's mm-hmm. an awesome solo in there from Lukather and even some uh, gang vocals at the end. Uh, but like the final track on here, like, is such a left turn. It's total curveball. Um, we'll keep on we'll running. Keep on running, featuring yeah. Skrillex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is like, you got to respect their willingness to experiment to this day. You know, they were they never ever. They do have like this core sound, but it's just known for sounding like Toto more than anything. Also, like, so, do, you, do you remember? I, 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 it was probably starting around like I almost feel like it was twenty fifteen where like every album would come out and would have a track that said featuring Skrillex on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, motherfucker was everywhere. Yeah, man. I, I, I was a teenager in the, in the 2010s and that I, I remember like Skrillex was showing up in like rock magazines and stuff. Yeah. Well, and he I, was, was a, he was a rock musician prior to being like a, an electronic uh, pr- performer. performer. Yeah. I don't fucking know. I don't know what I'm saying. They push buttons the, on a goddamn laptop. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's more to it than that. I'm just being an old, old curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, there was, um, I remember there was a big thing. He, they collabed with, um, or Skrillex rather, collabed with uh, Korn on that Path yeah. of Totality album that came out. But um, 
yeah, th- this album here is 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 really cool because it really captures a lot of different vibes. Um, I it it's probably down lower because I haven't had as much time with it as I have yeah. some of the other albums. It but it it definitely has elements that I love. Some mm. tracks I like more than others though, so there's a little bit of a consistency ratio here. But um, this is where for me we enter stuff that I'm getting really interested in. So, yeah, um, yeah that's uh, old is new. Old is new at yeah. number 12. I, I, I like that album more than you. That's not, that's not here on the list for wow. me. Um, my number 12 is the 1990 album Minefields, which is, I believe this was the return of... 1999. Uh, yeah. is, is that what I said? 99? I thought you said 1990. I thought you no, said. 1999, like the nice. Prince song. But it's the return of Bobby <laughs> Kimball on vocals, um, which in itself should be a good thing because I, I have to admit, going through all of their stuff, he's my favorite vocalist out of all of them. They're all talented in different ways, but I like his voice. And maybe it's because it's the voice I remember so I hear that yeah. guy's voice and I go, this is Toto. Like, I, you know, like I want to hear that guy's voice. I like everybody, but he's the, he's the man here. So, and he sounds fucking great. Like, that's the thing. Is yeah. The dude fucking kills it as a vocalist. And what is he, in his 50s, 60s? I mean, at this point, he's probably in his 50s, I think, in 99. Um, yeah. They're old dudes, I think- man. Yeah, like I looked up their ages and I was actually surprised. I was thinking, oh yeah, they're like 50 something and then I find out Bobby Kimball is is in his mid 70s at this yeah. point. And Still I'm singing too. Yeah. And uh, so Minefields like I like it because especially coming off of the last album we talked about Tambu, like this one has a lot more energy to it. It's a way yeah. more energetic album. It it does and 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 not all not a lot of their albums do this, but it it falls into that '90s thing where it's way too long, too really many long. fucking songs. <laughs> um, but once again, a thing that I really like about Toto, and this is 1999, and for some reason we, we did a we did an episode on the top albums from 1999. And what do you think of? I think of Corn, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine. Like they were still sticking to their guns because this is sure this is modern-ish Toto. But it still yeah. has that same kind of vibe from the 80s. Like, they're not, they're still, they still have this desire to make these uh, crossover uh, hit songs. Like, yeah. like, you can hear it in some of, not all of the songs, but there's always those songs on every album where you go, this was designed to be a hit by people who really know what they're doing. Now, did they always get hits? No, of course not. But um, they still continued to to do it. Now, this album, unfortunately, the reason why it's lower for me is because it does have its good moments, but it feels... Um, it's not different enough. It almost feels too samey in a way that now, in 1999, the production's great. Yes, the performances are great. The songwriting still has the same kind of vibes that they had already been doing, but it feels now like I don't know I don't know a better way to put it. It feels like at that point Toto was a business and they were expected to put something out to keep the business going. And so the songwriting is still there. They got the chops. They know how to write some songs, but it doesn't feel quite like 
um, they're as excited about what they're doing. Um, mm. And so, and it's, but now once again, these are all things that came about from like first listens. And I listened to these albums in order starting in 1978. And then now we're at 1999 in my, in my listening. And I got to this one. I was just, man, there's good things here, but the, the number of things that stand out and I go, ah, that's cool. They just got less and less. And on this album, mm. there's, there's just not as many of them. And I just feel like, you know, if Toto's a business, it's just run by these exceptional businessmen. And they're like, well, here's, here's our new product. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you know, <laughs> it, it feels too much like that for me, even though it is very well done. So I had to put it here. It, is this number 12? Yes. Number 12 minefields. Cool. So I'm going to bounce right off of that and say that my number 11 is uh, Minefields. Sweet. So far, we seem to have a, a pretty pretty similar grouping of, of albums. You know, similar. apart from yeah, apart yeah. from old is new. Um, so this album sees the proper return of original lead vocalist Bobby Kimball, as we said, mm-hmm. um, and god damn does he sound good on this album he absolutely slays it um cruel is this soulful groovy opener there's some very soulful stuff on this album i will Mm -hmm. say even though it's even though it's pretty long um i will say some of the longer tracks on here are like a hell yeah moment for me Mm -hmm. but um yeah it's a victim of that cd boom era put as much on a disc as you can thing give everyone their money's worth yeah <laughs> so then you get uh mysterious ways like he sounds great on this one too minefields has this like reggae feel shows off yet another side of their sound high price of hate is this grooving gnarly bluiser and is worth all of its almost 10 minutes in my opinion i love high price of hate um selfish you know this is one of the albums that i hadn't actually heard so i'm actually pleasant i'm actually pleasantly surprised um i was expecting more of a 1999 time capsule but you know Mm -hmm. they've consistently proven that they're just they've kind of like you know as i said I i think it was in like the soundgarden episode where they've kind of got like They've kind of got like fuck you talent where it's like we're good and en- we're good enough to, to not succumb to trends. We're going to do what we know how to do because we know how to do it well. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I'm pleasantly surprised. Bobby Kimball sounds awesome and the tunes so far have kicked ass. Um, no love. Now, this song. I don't know if you heard this, but no love sounds like early 90s poison doing Bon Jovi's Dead or Alive. (laughs) No, I didn't get that, but I I could see that. Like, I might have to make a video on songs that have the Dead or Alive vibe because at this point, so many bands I've noticed have at least one song where it's like, this is our Dead or Alive moment. Yeah. Fucking Megadeth had one on Risk with uh, Wanderlust. So I'm thinking I, I might have to do that. And it's a funny thing, actually. I've seen footage of steve lukather hanging out with marty friedman uh in like a room together and they're just playing guitar and talking together they're just chilling um and which brings me this is one of the best segues i've ever had what the fuck um <laughs> which brings me to caught in the balance which has this uh cool epic 
airy AOR synth rock vibe with like an almost late 90s Megadeth vibe in the chorus with those like kind of like guitars in the background of it but it's really big um like it actually some of the chords in it reminds me of trust a little bit uh from cryptic writings Mm -hmm. but this is this is my favorite track favorite track on the album um last love is a big uh swingy ballad uh, Mad About You is an awesome uplifting song with an almost kind of Def Leppard vibe. Uh, One Road is this laid back groover. Melanie, now this is the closest thing they came to like succumbing to a trend. Um, Melanie is a nice ballad with an oh so 1999 beat thrown in, just <laughs> <laughs> like kind of thing. Uh, after You've Gone has a cool vibe. Again, I'm sucker for a sitar, so having a sitar in anything always bumps it up a little bit. Uh, Better World is like uh, come together, what the what are we fighting for kind of song. Um, and then you get Spanish Steps. Right out of the gate, I would be surprised if it didn't sound Latin, and it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, David Page on vocals on this one. Um it's a cool way to close the album after uh, Kimball and Lukather covered the rest of the record. Uh, and in my opinion, more bands need multiple singers. I love yeah. that Toto do it. I love that Kiss do it. I love I love any band with like more than one singer. The, I feel mo- like mo- really- the modern day version for me is, is Mastodon, which they now have three, vo- three yeah. lead vocalists in that band, which is, and they all have three different sounds. But yeah, I think that that... Like some bands, I guess, are good with the one vocalist, but it just adds so many more dynamics if you have three dudes who can bring something interesting to the table or more, you know? For sure. It's like how we talked about um, Def Leppard. Like they, I mean, Joe Elliott always, you know, pretty much always leads it 99% of the time, but there's something in their gang vocals that's just otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a long album. It came out at the height of the uh, height of the CD era. It clocks in at pretty much eighty minutes, like the max amount you can fit onto a CD. Um, go figure. But I will say I was pleasantly surprised by the material. You know, um, mm. it's just you know it has a few unfortunate uh, setbacks. But aside from that, I I consider it to be a really good at least four stars out of five mm-hmm. and um yeah this is where we uh, are gonna expect i mean to be honest i could call my top 10 even all four 14 albums that i at least really like uh but yeah we're gonna enter my top 10 zone soon so i'm excited to start digging into those yeah so, so, so are we on so are we on uh, is this number 11 11 11, yeah, this is 11. so my uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna dip back into the 80s now Wow. Um, okay. My uh, my number eleven is the seventh one from nineteen eighty eight. Wow. And, okay. Uh, and so this one, unfortunately for me, it was it fell it fell victim to when you first listen to an album and the first song is really weak. It really bums me out. And Pamela is a <laughs> it's a super weak song to me. Like I wow. just I was expecting so much more because it's like 1988. And then and, and all of a sudden I'm just it just I don't know what it was. It's just it's like more of the same 80s kind of thing they were already doing. And I just don't think it's as well written um, or as memorable. But 
this particular album, I think this is probably the one where I was listening to it and I went in my head, I, I bet Eddie loves this album <laughs> because some of the songs on here, a lot of them sound like they would be great on an 80s movie soundtrack, like so many of these songs. But for me, put a whole album of them with a lot of vanilla. There's a lot of vanilla here. Um, it's, it's too, it's too yeah. much for me. Um, <laughs> and this is my least favorite vocalist of Toto. Oh, wow. O- only because he's, he sounds very good, but he doesn't sound unique. He literally sounds kind of Kenny Loggins, not quite Richard Marks. Like he's like, he has this voice that like he's nondescript eighties singer. Like he he doesn't have anything unique to his voice while being a very good singer, so it's just it it kind of bummed me out because I'm like, yeah, this guy doesn't have a, like the same character in his voice that other dudes had. I've kind of heard people refer to him as like kind of that, like not him himself, but like kind of a white Michael Jackson kind of vibe, <laughs> <laughs> like that sort of thing. <laughs> Um, some would say Michael Jackson is the white Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if that, I don't know if that joke was in poor taste or not. Go ahead and cancel me. <laughs> um, it's okay. We keep it, things edgy on this show. <laughs> it's true. But the one thing I have to say for this album, like, like the, it, all the things they did in the seventies and the eighties, I'm going to say that they're at least enjoyable. There was never a point where I went, I can't do this. And so I'll give them that. But the one thing that I got to commend them for, which I mentioned a little bit before, but it's very apparent on this album is that they consistently are swinging for the fences with their songwriting. Like it's, yeah. you could, it almost sounds like every one of these songs, they, whoever wrote it, brought it into the band and said, this is going to be the hit. And they brought it in and they made this song. And then other dude came in. No, this song is going to be the hit. And like, they, it just sounds like them really trying to make big songs yeah, and, and I, I give them credit for that because it, it's not them coming in and saying that song sounds like a single. Let's quickly write ten more just so we can throw this album together. They yeah. they never did that. They wouldn't. They, that's the one thing I'm going to say for Toto. They never phoned it in. Um, and and this is a this is a particular case where like I'm not really into the sound of this album, and the songs don't really do it for me. But what I hear in it, I'm just like, all right, well, this is. This is big old 80s, well-written, poppy rock music, very well played. <laughs> um, it just, listening to everything leading up to this, this was the, this was the first one where I went, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for them to make a change, you know, and, and, then, <laughs> and they did. So. And so, yeah, that's my number 11, the seventh one. I love whenever you have that reaction to an album, when it, whenever you bring up I know Eddie likes this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know when you say that, it's like, yep, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. Not to give anything away. Oh, oh no, of course not. But yeah, so now, now, but now we're into top 10. Cool. So this, this is probably my most surprising placement because I didn't feel good about this going here. Okay. But... Looking at my list, I can't see any other way f- for me with all the albums above it mm-hmm. for this list to make sense. This song, this album being anywhere else, and it being kind of an arena rock thing, 
Oh, okay. I think like, I know where you're going. Like, well, this it, you, you might you might not. So I'm I'm gonna go for <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go for 1980s Turn Back. Okay, yeah. Which which is the third album. Uh, this one, funnily enough, this album got like gold in Japan. Yeah. Of all places, because every now and again, I feel like Japan. Every now and again, they just pluck an '80s rock band and just like we we love this one. Let we're having this one. Well, a <laughs> lot of a this- lot of bands, especially in the '70s and '80s, they they became huge in Japan, even though they weren't like they blew up there first, and then yeah. and then over here or or in the in the UK, which is interesting. Yeah, like this album, you know, that's why I say it's surprising because sonically or at least from a songwriting perspective Mm -hmm. this was the most straight up rock thing they'd done to this point uh there weren't a lot of bells and whistles to it uh it was just straight up you know kind of pop rock songs the problem i have with this album is that compared to the albums before it Mm -hmm. and compared to the albums after it something is weird with the production on this one where it feels kind of flat and compared to the albums that came before and the albums that came after, they have like moments where they lift and whatnot. Yeah. Whereas with this album, whenever they do like something dynamic, it just sounds quieter and then louder. Uh, say for example, in, in million miles away, it just gets quieter. It doesn't get like, there's not an energy burst. It just kind of happens, but I've had enough time with this album to love the songs on it. Mm-hmm but there's qualities sonically to this album that let it down for me and cause it to be kind of a hidden gem in their catalog that I only visit every now and again. Um, Again, I'm stacking that up to nine other albums that I love, but this one for me is just unfortunate. I also, I Uh, also find, I also find album covers like this one fascinating where, yeah, it's like a face. It, it literally yeah. took no effort at all to write out Toto, make the second T really long and look like a nose, and then draw a red line to make it look like lips. Like it's 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 the simp- It's so like making that kind of decision. Like I understand like a minimalist kind of approach, but I'm always yeah. just like, man, it's like I overthink things so much that would never be an album cover. I would come up yeah. with. I'd be like, "There's no <laughs> way we could do that. Nobody's gonna buy an album that looks like that." But you know, they, they did it. It's also kind of a goofy looking face. Like if you pay more attention to it, it's kind of like it has yeah, a unibrow. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's it's the songs are cool, but there's there's just something not happening in the in the production so yeah gift with a golden gun is is fun early 80s pop rock uh english eyes is some more power pop rock and fun live for today is a good time anthem and with some better production should have done much better especially for the era um million miles away is a big ass power ballad now i will say the highlight of this album i believe is goodbye eleanor which feels like Toto's uh, Detroit Rock City. Um, there's okay, actually yeah. a video. There's actually a video of them performing it in a uh, studio environment, but it's like a live. It's a live recording. They made like kind of a music video out of it. It's on YouTube, and the energy coming off of all of them is so involved and intense. 
Um, but there's fun, there's fun little moments where they kind of green screen in uh, the backing vocals. So like when like there's an instrument not going on, they'll green screen in someone over the top of it with like a tambourine <laughs> or like in the vocal booth, all um, like Lukather, uh, Kimball and Paige all in the vocal booth, but they green screen it over the top and it's just them. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun energetic uh, video for a fun energetic song. But yeah, this song for me sticks out as like, oh hell yeah! Mm-hmm. Like even for Toto, this is like a real hard rock song. Um, I think I could stand you forever is another uh, power ballad type song, but this one's a bit more rocking, and I I do love when it kicks in, um, and then turn back has this cool heavy chorus. And then if it's the last night is a, is a final power ballad to close it out. Again, honestly, I feel as though had the production of this album been at least a little bit better, it could be way higher on my list. It could be in like the top five, but mm-hmm. there's just things on other albums that give it a little extra source. And like you said with um, some of the earlier picks, this one feels like, it feels a little bit vanilla compared to the other albums because I feel like all the other albums bring something unique to the table. This mm-hmm. one is just, it's so stripped back that it does feel a titchy little bit, um, don't want to say lackluster or bland, but com- comparatively speaking, it doesn't have as much bombast. So mm-hmm. with that, Turn Back comes in at my number 10. Cool. That's not my number 10. Um, if you If you paid attention to the things that I said about the last album, it makes sense that my number 10 is Fahrenheit from uh, yeah. 1986, which is the first album with the vocalist that I didn't really like. Joseph Williams is his name. He only did two albums with them, right? Actually, he's on uh, Old Is New and Toto 14 as well. He's the lead guy on those. Oh, okay. But um, so I obviously already don't like that guy as a vocalist, but this is a weird... It's an interesting album because it's the... It starts off sounding very 80s pop, like the the first song uh, till the end. It just sounds like straight up (laughs) 80s pop music. But the thing that I like about Toto is that they do things like in in the until the end. All of a sudden, there's a there's a soft turn in the chorus and you you immediately go, oh, this is Toto. Like you like you forget that they do these little turns and sometimes they're really small, sometimes they're a little bit bigger, but they do like give you a lot more with a song than a lot of bands would. Um, but this has got super clean 80s production. Like this is <laughs> as clean as it gets, man. But really, like when I was listening to the albums all the way through, uh, this was the one where all of a sudden I'm like, this just seems like it's a different band because all of a sudden you have this different vocalist and it's they sound like any number of super slick 80s pop rock bands aside from those little things that make them Toto. So yeah. it was kind of disappointing because I'm like, yeah, I like this, but knowing what I already know about the band, I expect a little bit more from them. And some of this music on this particular album, I guess you could probably throw the next one into that category too. Um, I, 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 in my head, I referred to it as dentist office music. 
<laughs> because I, re- I remember when I, it's probably it's probably from the few times that I actually had to do major shit. Like I had to get like a root canal when I was in high school and you're laying there with like your mouth full of gauze or a dental dam or whatever the fuck it is. And you hear like this soft rock music yeah. playing from a it's tiny not the speaker same without your love. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I, and I'm just like, this sounds like the music that you hear in the dentist's office. Not all of it, but some of it does. Um, <laughs> But this album really does have more of a straightforward feel for Toto, and it, and it's less unique than what they were doing before, and so it kind of took mm. some things away from me. Even though it's got its strong, it's got a lot of strong moments. If you're into the '80s light rock kind of thing, which you are, um, it's got <laughs> a lot of those, and it's got one of the four songs that I remember from when I was young, which is the song hey. "I'll Be o- I'll Be Over You," which was a I guess it was a pretty big hit if I remember hearing it on the radio. Um, yeah, it did the, pretty well. The one, yeah, in, the, this one. The interesting track to me on this album is the song Fahrenheit because it's all of a sudden they're embracing electronic elements. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, <laughs> which I thought they would start doing a lot more, but it's real every now and, and then there'll be some electronic elements. They didn't really go full in with that sound. But I really like Fahrenheit. It's a cool song because of that. Like, I like it when this band throws something in, like, just fuck it, we're going to do it. And I'm like, that. I like that. But the second half of this album loses a lot of steam. So even though it's got the cool, fun 80s vibe, the songs on the second half I don't think are as strong. And it just kind of leaves me with a, eh, okay, kind of feeling at the end of the day. Um, and so that's why I had to put it here at number 10. Is it, or is this, is this 10 still? Fuck, I'm losing track of where <laughs> we are. <laughs> I think this is number 10. But yeah, Fahrenheit's my number 10. And so clearly I'm not a huge fan of of the of the um Joseph Williams era of the band because it just it did it didn't really do it for me um as much as the previous stuff did. Okay, cool. Well, I, I don't want to confuse you. I know you're struggling with the numbers right now, but my number nine is uh <laughs> Toto 14. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine oh, is 14. Okay. That's a new rule, people. We're, which, we're changing the order of numbers. Which which <laughs> ironically came out in 2015. And is the 13th album. <laughs> it's the 13th album. Well, it's because that's that weird thing where Toto seemed to, they counted the album Toto, what is it called? Toto 10? What is I the, think it's Toto, Toto 20 because it Toto, was their 20th anniversary. So Toto it's kind of 20. A, is considered one of their albums, but not the twentieth album. I don't know. This is really confusing. <laughs> I, I think it was. I think it was for the twentieth anniversary. They put out like a like a little collection of like uh, B sides. It's a B sides and rarities collection. So I have to. I have to admit that I'm surprised this album is this low for you. Um, he, yeah, the, this is this. I I actually really like this one. So we'll go, go, let's jump into it. Toto fourteen. Again, like I said, with old is new. This one could grow on me. It's it's solely based on the amount of time I've spent with the others. Yeah, I think at this point, this one has serious grower potential though, because I really like. There's something to I be heard. said though about late late in this band's career, they still put out really good shit. So that's yeah. This is a this is a case of that. Yeah, they're not a band where I feel like there's a cutoff point where, like, you know, with with a lot of bands, there's, like, a clear cut. First five albums are the go-to, and then it's a little all over the place after that. Yeah. 
with this, they maybe had like a couple missteps, but like to be 40 years, you know, or almost 40 years into their career at this point as Toto, they'd been musicians longer than that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, after almost uh, a decade of no studio output, they're reunited with uh, Joseph Williams on lead vocals. Um, do you find he's a little bit more versatile now as well? Like, cause, or it could, or it could just be the fact that they're not bound to the eighties thing as much. Yeah. Because it, cause we, now that I'm looking at this album, I'm like, Oh, I totally forgot that he was on here because I don't think he's, he's not pushing the same thing. Like I almost feel yeah. like he had to do a certain style for those two albums in the eighties. <laughs> And so it yeah. sounded too much like a bunch of other vocalists. But honestly, I think in, in the case of this album, the the actual songs themselves are strong enough to where anyone could have been the vocalist, and I probably would have been pretty cool with it. Yeah. So um, Running Out of Time opens the record with this like cool, mysterious, but upbeat, kind of proggy-ish yeah. rocker. Um Burn It Down is this big, powerful uh, song. Holy War has a cool feel. There's a great mix of prog and pop with the rock sound in these later albums, you know? the Also, the 80s rock lead guitar kind of solo gets a big thumbs up from me too. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, at this point, this album beat Turn Back, which is an album I've spent much more time with. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good sign for it. It, it could climb up the ranking later down the line mm-hmm. um down the line <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> oh man uh 21st century blues is really cool uh this album takes their bluesy side but gives it this like shiny power pop paint job power pop paint job peanut butter platypus i like that uh yeah <laughs> power pop paint job hell yeah um orphan is a nice uplifting song. This is, I think this was the lead single off of it. Um, it's a great chorus, uh, but it has like this unusual but lovable feel. Like it's kind of like, it could have been fine as a slow song, but they put like an upbeat kind of beat under it. And it just, it feels like it could work on both levels, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Unknown Soldier for Jeffrey. Uh, is a big <laughs> epic track. Um, I love that every time you do those, nobody listening can see you doing the quotes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just one of those things that's just for just for us only. That's a behind the scenes special, people. Yeah. You, you, I'm just going to edit together all the quotes and make it a, an hour long episode of just those. <laughs> Man, I love the running gags on our show. <laughs> um so you get, oh, look, we get The Little Things, which is rather fitting after that little thing. Um, <laughs> uh, Chinatown has this really cool jazzy vibe. Like, there's quite a few left turns with that song. Uh, All the Tears That Shine is another nice ballad. Uh, Fortune has this vibey feel. And then finally, Great Expectations uh, is a huge epic rocker to close out the record. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, this album's really cool. Like it's um so energetic for uh you know a band of this age at this point. You know, they've they managed to put out a really cool 
it doesn't feel bound to a time either. Like it has eighties vibes. It has Toto vibes. It has modern vibes, Mm -hmm. but they, at no point does any one thing out, you know, outshine another. It's all very cohesive on this album. And I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that that's Toto 14 for me. Number nine, 14. Um, that this, this is not my number nine, um, the, the album that's my number nine, I actually, when I was first listening to it, I expected it to be higher up, but more recent Toto albums actually knocked it down, um, which was unexpected. Because um, okay. this is a really fun album. The, my, my number nine is the 1992 album Kingdom of Desire. Wow. Okay. Which is the most rockin' album they put out. Um, yeah. It's got, a lot, it's got like fucking crunchy guitars on it like the whole time. It's got a lot of blues rockish kind of feels on it. Um, but the one thing I have to say, because now this is the one where all of a sudden Steve Lukather is the only vocalist. It feels like a different band on this album while it's still good, but, and they still have those Toto-esque moments, but for the most part, this is the most rock they ever got. Um, and the interesting thing about this album for me is it sounds like an album that would have fit in really well in the 80s, late 80s hard rock scene, but they did it in 1992. Yeah. Um, and it's got, it's, this album has got riffs. Like there's, there's some yeah. Toto songs that have riffs, but there are serious riffs on this album. And yeah. honestly, the, the, the harder rock edge is very welcomed because that's the kind of shit that I like. And this is a really <laughs> fun album. But it's interesting that I feel like if this album had come out in the late 80s, it would have been more successful than their late 80s albums. I really do think it would have it would have thrived in the big hair era of yeah. rock where all the all those bands were doing these bluesy type things in the in the late 80s, you know? And so I think that this would have done better, but it but it came out in 1992 when grunge was king. Or well, I guess grunge was just just becoming huge. Because in ninety, like everyone likes to say nineteen ninety one, but I'm like, well, the al- the albums came out in late nineteen ninety one. They didn't quite blow up immediately. Yeah. Um, so ninety two was when things were really starting to become grungified. But um, this album is is uh, honestly, I have to I have to say that it, it's pretty cheese ball at times, but it's very enjoyable <laughs> cheese ball. Yeah. Um, and. I think the thing that makes it work so well for me is the fact that with the change to where Steve Lukather is like, all right, now I'm going to do all the vocalists, the harder edge fits his vocals very well. And so it's almost like it was perfect. It was a perfect decision to be like, all right, we're doing this more rocking kind of stuff. And now we have this guy with this lower register, more uh, gruff, I guess, kind of, kind of uh, performance. Um, Still don't like him as much as the original vocalist, but I but I do like what he does. Um, obviously, he's been singing in it forever, but I just as a as a as a as a, a soul vocalist s o l e. How do I've never how do you soul when you mean one s o l e or s o l e? Yeah, is a, yeah, is yeah. That's the one. English lesson. lesson <laughs> I'm going to talk <laughs> words anyway. Um, this is the only album where I think it would work where he was the only vocalist. I just think that he doesn't, his voice isn't interesting enough to me to carry a whole album if they're doing more of their proggy and softer kind of shit. So, but I did enjoy this album, but it, but there are a couple later on in the career that I like more. So kingdom of desire sits here at number nine. 
My uh, my girlfriend has a major crush on Steve Lukather, especially his voice. So really? th- this, yeah, this is her favorite. Like, pretty much every time I'm like, "Hey, do you want to listen to Toto?" And she's like, "Yeah, Kingdom of Desire though. Like, has to be Kingdom <laughs> of Desire." So I'm like, "Okay, okay." I'm not gonna turn. I'm not gonna turn that down. I mean, can't can't um, argue and, with that. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so for my number eight, mm-hmm. the, now, fi- the final the- albums of this episode, folks, of part one oh, of Toto. Sh- oh shit! Are we already there? Yeah, we're oh already there. Wow. Um, so this one may surprise you. Okay. This oh, could be God. the most. Okay. This could be the most surprising pick. Uh, looking at it, if you say Toto um, Four, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm, I'm not that much of a heathen. Um, but yeah, this album, as I was looking at it, and as even looking at it in the um, box set that I have, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm gonna lay out all of these ones because I've spent the most time with these. Uh, including Kingdom of Desire, which isn't in the box, but I put it there anyway. And I, was, I just opened my eyes and which one caught my eye first? Like I was seeing which one do I definitely want to pick? Because yeah. I feel like there's a certain primal connection I develop with an album cover to what it sounds like. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, it's a good way to think about it because I'm like, I love that one. And it's like I can kind of develop a gut feeling kind of thing over it if I'm really yeah. struggling. I mean, when you uh, when you so, when you get to know albums really well, it's really easy to do that. Like it's you yeah. Know, that's why doing Metallica was so easy for me because I know those albums so well that I could just look at it and go, oh f- fuck yeah, I know where that goes. <laughs> so that's why uh, I kept picking and I kept taking them off and pushing them out of the equation, and amazingly, Mm-mm. I was left with. 1986's Fahrenheit. Oh, okay. As my number eight pick. Now, being the 80s guy on this show, like the, the yeah. big AOR poodle perm kind of guy, um, you know, I I surprised myself with this one. Um, yeah, that is so this, kind of surprising. Yeah, like the first album with uh, Joseph Williams, is it sees the band adopting a smoother and more pop-oriented direction on this one in contrast to its edgier album oriented rock predecessor isolation yeah. uh till the end is like a kind of funky pop rocker which really shows off uh joseph williams 80s pop vocals excellently uh you know in my ideal world toto would never get rid of their vocalists and they would just have all of them together living in perfect harmony and each yeah. one would come out when they need them and but uh alas you know we we get these pockets through time where one certain person is the lead vocalist and uh yeah i like joseph williams he's not my favorite favorite but i i I do like him i do like what he brings to these albums yeah um he's a good singer he's just he doesn't he doesn't stand out in 1986 really yeah that's true um that's that's the thing he feels like a very good session singer that's that that's the thing yeah we need we need an 80s pop singer here's your man yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah um we can make it tonight i love the dynamics in this song they were they were they word they work really well together (laughs) i'm glad (laughs) it's not just me (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
they it the song elevates when it needs to you know like there's these parts like you said where it does feel like a very straight ahead 80s pop album but then yeah. there'll be like a slow down part where to where like the toto vibe comes back yeah and it's like oh yeah this is the band i'm listening to um without your love though like without your love has a such a good sexy feel to it it definitely a favorite of mine from this album uh, can't stand it any longer i love a big 80s lead guitar sound and this album's full of it um i also totally you know forgot how much of a pop album this record is like mm-hmm. this is this is definitely their most shamelessly 80s album of all of them mm-hmm. uh Seeing as it's nestled right in the mid '80s and is literally drenched in synthesizers, <laughs> um, I'll be over you. Uh, there's not I'll a dry. Over you. There's not a dry eye in the house with this one. <laughs> this is this is a beautiful song. Um, and then we get Fahrenheit, which gives me '80s hacking the mainframe vibes. Yeah, because immediately when I like literally <laughs> the the very first thing I hear when i hear this or the very first thing i picture in my mind when i hear this song is the beginning of weird science where they make the woman oh like, yeah do, do you get the, do you get that kind of vibe like yeah with those, i can see that i just love the i love it yeah i i miss i i love so much the idea in movies of hacking into stuff when literally you just it's just some keystrokes it's like let me yeah. hack let me hack into the mainframe <laughs> okay done yeah <laughs> let me create like, this woman all we need is a modem and uh and and we need to uh, put some pictures into uh into the computer which what was that even thing like that was like a <laughs> so i remember seeing weird science and being like there's a thing where you just feed stuff into the computer that's just pages <laughs> from a magazine that's some futuristic shit there Oh man, like my favorite thing as well with like 80s hacking montages is they they act like, oh my god, I'm so on the edge. I might start global thermonuclear war here. <laughs> and and then and then all it's of a games. sudden Yeah, and then and then something pops up and it's like uh access denied and they just type override and it immediately yeah. eliminates that problem, yeah. you know? <laughs> Why didn't we think of that? They could just type override and get rid of this. <laughs> you know to be completely uh, honest when i was a kid i thought by the time i was a full adult we'd be making women all the time i thought it was just, i you mean know, just to, you computers are already there by the time i'm old we can just make i don't have to worry about finding a girlfriend i'm gonna create one on my computer i mean i think japan already has that <laughs> <laughs> oh man They're way ahead of us. hell yeah <laughs> Um, How great is Weird Science, by the way? You probably had to bring yeah. up that movie. Yeah, <laughs> it oh, is. Man. That, it, Weird I, Science. I know, I know that it sticks out like a sore thumb, but it's probably my favorite John Hughes movie, which is weird because my favorite John Hughes movies are the ones that aren't at, aren't talked about as much. Because like I'd put that one there, and then like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, like those are the ones that I love. Like I like Breakfast Club is amazing, you know those those. But for some reason, the ones where he like tried a little something different with them. I'm usually yeah. just like, God, this is so, the guy was so great. But Weird Science is just like, it's such a weird, stupid movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it so much. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so awesome. Anyway, but so that, that'll be for our top top five John Hughes um, movies. And, but interesting enough, now that I'm mentioning top five, like Fahrenheit, wasn't Fahrenheit in your top five albums of 1986 when we did 
that episode? I, b- I believe it was. Was it? Uh, or was it an honorable mention? Uh, I remember talking about it, so I don't know. I think, I, I think, think it, it was in your top have, five. Was it? I it believe It might so. well have been. It, went, it might well have been. Everybody go back and listen to the episode, top five albums of 1986, and then uh, let us know. <laughs> it's... Well, it's it, yeah, actually, you know what? I think it was. I think it was. Which which just goes to show how much I love Toto. Because yeah. if if this album, my number eight pick, made a top five of a year, I still really like it. Yep. So, um, hell yeah. There's um, Somewhere Tonight. Uh, Somewhere Tonight okay. uh, is a smooth, jazzed out kind of song. Uh, Could This Be Love is this great ballad. I love this one. It sounds like watching a sunset on Miami Beach. Uh, <laughs> Leah is a is like a proper soap opera romantic, like <laughs> what you would expect to hear yeah. um, in a romantic scene. Like it's a proper love maker right here. And then Don't Stop Me Now, which uh, isn't a Queen cover. Um, this <laughs> <laughs> this song makes me feel. Like I'm Lieutenant Frank Drebin from The Naked Gun being narrated while doing something completely goofy behind me and I'm trying to figure something out with this internal monologue going on. Just a quick thing as well. Yeah, Naked Gun, great fucking trilogy. (laughs) So I haven't seen those movies in a long time, but when I was younger, I watched them a lot. But that's a a series that I'm all like, I wonder if that's going to age well with me. Um, so I gotta, I gotta go back and watch them again, but I love those for movies me. when I was younger. Totally has for me. <laughs> they, cause I, cause I was actually a fan of police squad, the show that came out prior. And so when yeah. those movies came out, like I saw them all in the theater. Cause I was just like, Oh, they're doing a movie of police squad. Um, Hell yeah. and I was, and also was a fan of airplane, the airplane movies and Kentucky, oh, Kentucky fried awesome. movie, of course. <laughs> um, anyway, that's, an, that's another thing. There's like, who, who was it that? Is that what are the what are the guys that did those movies? What's the, what are they called? What are their names? Oh shit! Um, let's have a look. Like, I don't On know the why fly. they did they Research. did they did Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Two, which are both also really funny movies. <laughs> but it was like it was a um, couple of brothers I think that were behind all of those things, and then they kind of lost it with me with with. Uh, no way! That wasn't their, their that wasn't their movie. Fuck, I don't know. I get I get all the parody movies. Um, Is it David Zucker, Jerry Zucker? Yeah, the Zucker brothers. That's who it was. Yeah, that's the one. They did a lot of great shit, but a lot of those a lot of those things like the parody type stuff. Once you got into the '90s, all of a sudden I was like, and eh, like I it was, they they started to seem very samey, and they ran out of cool ideas. But yeah. man, those those first I don't know for how long. I don't even know Hot Shots. That was early '90s, also. And they they did a lot of funny shit. I got to go back and watch those. Yeah, early nineties still has the old school vibe. I, I may yeah. I maintain to this day that the eighties weren't officially over until ninety three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> and we're smack dab in the eighties with this album. Oh, you, oh, you're done with it now, aren't you? For Fahrenheit, uh, I am. I am finished wrapping up what's what's happening with this album so okay. you, you do your number eight <laughs> and ra- wrapping up your first half of of the of the toto discography so um we're gonna hop in the in the time machine and go way in, into the future um because my number eight is old is new from 2018 hey. um so th- this one actually i toyed with the idea of having it higher up on the list because i really enjoyed it but 
thinking of it as an album, I'm all like, oh, well, if these are in fact songs that were already recorded and they just mixed them and put them out, you know, now as a new album, it's not quite as interesting to me because they are already previously released tracks and there is already another album of previously released released tracks that we are not covering at all so i'm like well okay i I like this album a lot so i'm just gonna let it top the first half of the of the ranking um but i thought this was great and just the fact that it's 40 years later and they put out this really strong album that were songs they didn't put on albums and they're this good like that says something about toto that these were discarded songs or whatever. Uh, and they just sound really good. Like it's, um, it's a really enjoyable album. The, the thing that kills it for me is that this is the only album they did where the production kind of bums me out. It's not the, I, I, and I think it's the mixing of the album because some of these songs have an old school quality, but it has this weird sort of compressed 2018 style mixing job on it. And it Mm. makes the songs aren't as dynamic sounding as I would like them to sound. So it takes a little bit of it away from me, but there's a lot of fucking good songs on here. And I, and I'm, I'm with you when I first was getting prepared for the Toto featuring Skrillex song, I was (laughs) like, this is going to be a fucking shit show, isn't it? But I thought it was really cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a cool wrap up to the album and it's, and it and it also really fits with the vibe of the album because it's taking these older songs, mixing them, putting on on a new one, and then at that point they're this older band, and then they're collaborating with this young, you know, guy that blew up doing a completely different style of music. So I just yeah. like that it, it it fits in with the old as new vibe of this album, and I just had a lot. I I was really surprised at how much because I'm like, oh, this is the last album they did. You know, how good is this going to be? And it's it's really good. So, um, but like, like we talked about earlier, I don't really know what all went into making it, which parts are old. Is the whole thing older recordings? Like it's that they added other stuff on top of, I I don't really know if anyone that's like a massive Toto fan happens to be listening to this, put that in the comments on YouTube. Like if you, or if you have an article that maybe breaks down how they did it, because I'm really interested in that because I always like the idea of, um, bands not just leaving old material out for nobody to ever hear. Because if I'm a if I'm a really big fan of a band, I want to hear everything that they did. Like I want yeah. I want eventually every band to put out a, a collection of things they weren't intending to put out just for me, just for just as a fan. Because yeah. I'm just like as a fan, you want to hear everything and. I can imagine for Toto fans, this is kind of cool. This is a cool album. Um, And I guess it makes sense that it was initially a part of a box set and then they just put it out on its own. But um, it's really enjoyable. And I was really surprised at how good it was. Um, But uh, yeah, that's, that's that's my number eight wrapping up the first half of Toto with Old Is New. Cool. So, uh... Yeah, we, we did yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we did <laughs> it. <laughs> That's oh, our man. new thing now to wrap up each episode. <laughs> I wish I want to see if I can find a way to like to to 
make a solo of that vocal and then just have it as a sample and I can just play it in the episode and have, have jaw rule just show up in our episodes all the time. And then one day we're going to, our podcast is really going to blow up and he's going to come to us for some money. (laughs) Anyway. And it's, and it's like he turns up and the, and the thing he says to us to intimidate us is just when you thought it was over. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so, um, this is a big, a big shout out to the peanut butter platypuses out there because I don't know how this one's going to go down. Um, I don't know how many people are going to listen to it and how many people are going to make it all the way through. Um, it is, I, it is really nice to see occasionally I'll see a comment that people will say that even artists that they're not interested in they will listen to us talk about them. And I'm like, that is the biggest compliment that anyone yeah. can give us because I realize that compliment to the show. Cause it, cause in the end, a lot of the shit that we talk about is just shit that other people are already out. You can go on the internet and find other people talking about it. So, yeah. um, that alone is like, well, if you're wanting to listen to us talk about it, that's, that's, that's awesome. But at the same time, if it's stuff that you don't even really care to hear about, then shit, that's, that's very meaningful and it makes it feel um, very worth it that we've been doing this for almost a year. I'm pretty sure that just a few days from now is our one year anniversary or maybe even when this episode comes out because um, it comes out on Wednesdays. That may be the very first one that we did. Oh, no, maybe maybe we record. It was Metallica, and then we didn't end up doing it. We probably still have yeah. a couple weeks. That was very anticlimactic. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But um, we're coming up on a full year of doing this, and so it's cool that there are so many people that seem to just dig listening to us, and um, you they're, they're, that's the peanut butter platypus. I'm so, I, I like that we have this thing, and I love yeah. <laughs> that we don't ever say it until the end of the episode. So a lot of people will be looking in the comments and they'll see people saying PBP or peanut butter platypus and yeah. they have no clue what it means. But those of us who are here, uh, we know what it means. Um, so if we ever make T-shirts, we got to make sure that we put peanut butter platypus um, <laughs> on the back of it or something. When do, oh, we, when, dude, do we start, we, when do we start making merch? Who would even buy merch? <laughs> dude, we need to start a band called Peanut Butter Platypus. Well, that should be our band. We, I, somebody on, on, the, on the Facebook group of Old Head Bangers said that you and I should collab on music. And maybe that should Hell be yeah. it. It should be Peanut Butter Platypus. Yeah, I'm down for that. So, yeah. Um, it's, it, uh, thank you very much for listening as usual. Um, we'll be back next week with part two of Toto, which we're, where we get into the real meaty shit and some of the stuff <laughs> that everybody knows. Um, like, and literally, like literally everybody, like who doesn't know the song Africa, you know? Yeah. You have to have been under a rock to have at least not heard Africa it, and Rosanna, you know? Well, Africa for, for sure, because not only is it a song that was a big hit and it's still a pretty big hit, but when it a became song, a meme, yeah, when it <laughs> makes its way into memes, where like even my daughter knows the song because it's in a vine or remember vines were a big deal, yeah, and then and then now it's like TikTok, I guess. Um, so that's a big deal for for that. That's like I I honestly really like. We'll get into that next episode, but I really like when these older bands get this really unexpected boost of popularity through something that they probably never expected to happen. 
Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that's that's part one of Toto, and it's been interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll get into the to the the really good shit um, in the next episode. Do you have anything to add before we wrap it up? Uh, I I just wanted to I I really wanted to shine a light on Toto because. I feel like there's a lot of elements that they don't get enough credit for. Like some of their songs, especially in my upper rankings, have a lot of real rock oriented moments. And people tend to think of them as just a pop band or, you know, and there's so many different styles that they went through and yeah. did really well. I just felt like it, it's only, it's only fair to give them some spotlight on the show. And uh Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, and honestly, like I like the I like the, having the attitude that we're not going to shy away from talking about a band that one or both of us is interested in just because it's not f- yeah. full, fully rock and metal, you know, because that's just that's just not interesting to me. If we do if that's all we do, it's going to get boring pretty quick. And so doing these these different types of bands, it's uh, it actually even even gives more of a perspective a different perspective on the other stuff that we talk about. Cause it's like, I won't give anything away, but once we're, once we're done with Toto, we're going to get really fucking heavy. And it's like, yeah. it's interesting to go from one extreme to the other. Um, no, we're not doing the Plus, band. Ex- we're not doing the band extreme <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely though. We've, we've after this next Toto one, we've got probably the heaviest we've ever gone. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. I think so. But uh, but yeah so but but for those of you who uh, who are not really enjoying this, you got to make it through Toto Part Two before we get there. Um, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we'll see you guys next week for Toto Part Two. Uh, thank you for listening. I say it a million times, but I can't say it enough times. Thank you very much, Peanut Butter Platypus and Eddie. Take us out. I'll be later, dude. <laughs>